Hey everybody, just a quick editor's note that the Christian Vasquez news broke right as we finished recording this episode, so we did not get a chance to discuss it. So keep that in mind as you're listening to the episode. I don't really think it impacts the validity of the rest of the discussion. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The price of doing business in MLB has gone up. Are the Astros still spenders? We'll talk about it next on Stone Cold Strohs. Hey, welcome in everybody to Stone Cold Strohs. I am Brandon Strange. I'm joined by SportsMap.com editor Josh Jordan and SportsMap senior contributor Charlie Palolo. Charlie, Josh, welcome in, guys. Hey, what's Good up, to Brandon? Be back. We made it to number two. <laughs> we made it to number two. Some would say we started there. If you're following along with us, please uh, submit questions now. We're going to try to do more interactive stuff at the end of the show. So if you guys want to ask Charlie some questions, go ahead and submit them now. I'll be highlighting them during the show, and then we'll try to circle back to them. Appreciate everybody joining in. We got a lot of people filing in right now. Guys, in the matter of a week, we went from this narrative of maybe Jim Crane overpaid for Rafael Montero to reaching kind of a moment of clarity that, damn, Lance McCullers contract, five at 85, doesn't look so bad now. And then we went all the way to the spectrum over the weekend of, wow, maybe Garrett Cole's contract is reasonable. I don't think I've ever seen a spending spree like this. I wonder if this isn't reflective of the Astros just running circles around teams so comprehensively over the past six seasons that teams now feel that the price of doing business, at least in the case of the Mets, is to go well above and beyond the competitive balance tax. Uh, Charlie, am I far off on that? Well, I think there are a number of factors that jump to mind immediately. Number one, you have labor peace with the CBA after the Sturman Drang of getting to it at the outset of last season. But now that it's here, the owners know over the next five years, the revenue streams are going to be doing nothing but going up. And there's not the hostility of pending doom and shutdown of the sport and so forth. And historically, when you get a new CBA, there's generally a spike in expenditures. Uh, we have some new breed owners headed by Daddy Warbucks, Steve Cohen with the Mets. You know, the guy's one of the 50 richest people on planet Earth, or maybe it's 50 in America, 100 on planet Earth. So uh, they put in the highest new luxury tax, nicknamed the Cohen tax. You're laughing at it. So the Mets payrolls now blowing away anything the Yankees or Dodgers have ever done, right? 335 millions, the, the payroll with luxury tax, he's looking to go at $400 million. Right? The Astros payroll for 2023 right now is still in the top 10, and it's still lower than it was two years ago. Um, but the Padres, right, their recent new owner, wow, three $300 million contracts on that roster, and are they going to do Juan Soto at some point? Uh, the Phillies guy, you know, whether it's they finally got to the playoffs, John Milton got a taste of getting to the World Series. They go out and go give Trey Turner money. I think it's reflective of the overall cash flushness of a number of owners and the health of the sport and all the knuckleheads every time. It's like the next big boom sport in America is going to be soccer. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, baseball is dying. Only dying people like it. Uh, no, that's not true either. So things are in very robust health. Higher water is raising uh, seemingly all boats. And the Astros remain very well positioned to keep paddling along amidst all of it. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. I went and looked at our good friends at SpotRack, kind of the salaries. And, and like you said, Charlie, uh, Astros sitting at nine uh, behind the Rangers. Now the Rangers are spending all that money, but it made me feel a little better knowing the Red Sox and the Dodgers are behind the Astros. So some of the biggest spenders, not quite spending all that money yet. I looked at the Contreras contract. Uh, we haven't spoken on this podcast since that went down. He signed with the Cardinals. And uh, it was interesting how the deal was laid out for this season. He's only making 10 million bucks uh, against the cap for 2023. So that would still give the Astros a lot of room to spend if they would have gone that direction. But I noticed there's a no trade clause in the contract. Either you guys think that might have been something the Astros wanted to, to get away from? I think the Astros had no interest in going five years on a 31-year-old catcher. Um, who's not heralded as a great defensive backstop. I'm not calling him fat by any means, but but he's kind of on the chunkier, thicker side. How well does that age behind the plate? I mean, I know Martin Maldonado is revered, but he obviously doesn't move like he used to behind the plate. And uh, it'll be a challenge going forward. I think a great virtue of Jim Crane, the way he's run this team, uh, discipline. You know, Let's they set their valuation on years and dollars. Garrett Cole, that was never really a, a question. He was going to Yankees. Uh, but George Springer and then Carlos Correa and now Justin Verlander. Um, so are we entering a new paradigm era where, forget that, you just have to pay out the wazoo because a bunch of teams are going to be doing it, not just New York and L.A. Because um, the Astros are in a sweet spot now. All the guys they have under control, we talked last week specifically about all the pitchers, at least three years apiece among their starters under team control. Jordan, six years, $115 million. So I call it tip money. Uh, but my goodness, what a deal to have bought out his first three years of free agency at that rate. I'll tell you, one guy's loved this last week, Kyle Tucker, who didn't take the Astros offer uh, last preseason. Yeah. The meter is only running on Kyle Tucker to sign him today. Right? He has three years left, so there's no urgency or panic on the Astros with this. But it would probably take more money than Jordan Alvarez, the way the market has shifted, unless Jim Crane is going to keep drawing lines in the sand. But I think his track record speaks that he will be flexible to as the market shifts, that if the price of poker has gone up, uh, they're not staying at the uh, old ladies table. They're going to be in the high stakes room when it when it makes sense for them. Uh, but with the farm system weak now because of all the talent they produced, prospects they've traded away. They compensate for it or have compensated for it with play, player development, especially the pitchers. Uh, but if you're not producing some cheaper talent, your ball club does become prohibitively expensive to maintain and to continue to add to. That's why you mentioned the Dodgers. I think they're right now 13th in projected payroll. Well, they could go out and sign Rodon for $35 million a year tomorrow. And hey, that's uh, add Correa after all. Uh, but they're infusing some young talent to help balance their roster, not just for 2023, but projecting for for years forward. Um, so uh, the Astros remain in a very strong spot, but to circle it back to Contreras, five years for a catcher who turns 31 in May, they were just not going to go there. Uh, in conjunction with that, though, where your farm system is weak relative to others, uh, Sean Murphy would have been a better get than, than uh, Contreras would have been. Younger, toiling in Oakland, terrible hitters park, but putting up numbers. Well, he gets traded to the Braves because the Braves, despite all the young talent they promoted the last couple of years, they had a farm system in which they could offer better talent or at least talent more appealing to Oakland. So it won't excite anyone around here if it's Maldonado and either Yiner Diaz and, and Corey Lee. But all Diaz has done is hit the minors. He has a better arm than Maldonado uh, or as good as Maldonado. Yeah. Lee has a better arm than yeah. Maldonado. 
There's zero chance Diaz would be a step back offensively from Maldi. So if the Astros decide that five years, 87 and a half million for Contreras, you know, we're not crying poverty, but we're just not going there. Um, that if 2023 is the year you really find out about Diaz and Lee, who most thought the Astros overdrafted, taking him in the first round in 19, they can go that route. But if neither guy looks the part, Maldonado's a year older, getting ready to turn 37, and in the last year of his contract, well, that'll heighten the stakes of where you're going at catcher come 2024. Uh, but, you know, adding Abreu, we all still think they're going to add one more left-handed bat, whether it's keeping Brantley or, or shopping among the Conforto and Benintendi levels. Um, so if you're an Astros fan, it's fun to look at these other teams and say, you're going to pay Trey Turner till he's 40. You're going to pay Xander Bogarts till he's 41. Well, we'll see where the Astros are in their next waves of contracts, specifically Jose Altuve up in two years when he'll be 34 and still several years away from 3000 hits and still presumably an integral piece of this, this ball club. So what will it take to re-sign a guy like that two years from now, if you don't explore something in the meantime? If Keith Law thinks that the Astros signing Jose Abreu is the denial of existence of time, then considering what the Padres have done, he must think that San Diego uh, just denies the existence of space time in general because, you know, the Padres have certainly backloaded all these, con- they, you know, they've, they've mortgaged their future to bet on the now to get it done. I, I guess it's just FOMO, right? It, it's the fear of missing. You see all these big moves happening with the Astros and they just won a championship. They're fresh off of a championship. And yet you go, man, it'd be nice if they could fill some of these holes, uh, even though they literally just got it done. And I think the Contreras thing is is a thing that we kind of look at and we come at it from maybe they weren't you know looking at uh, paying him for that long. Another thing that we've talked about on... Uh, this channel, at least on the, the Sports Map Houston channel, because spoiler alert, Josh and I come up with the topics for those videos. We 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 talked about how do you recruit a catcher when you're offering a part time role where you're sharing time with a 170 hitter, and is that something that a guy like Contreras would want to do? Like it's easy for Houston fans. And, and, and for us to speculate on, okay, well, Contreras can play a little left field. He can DH a little. He can, he can catch a little bit. But I think, you know, the one thing we fail to ask ourselves in that scenario, is that what Wilson Contreras wants to do? And to that point, do any of the free agent catchers, and one of those that's out there is Christian Vasquez, and we've actually seen it work. He posted a, a picture on his Twitter last week. Uh, that was after, I actually, not even think it was last week. I think it was over the weekend. The, the timing of it, say what you want to, but Rosenthal connected him, you know, to talks with the Astros. And I don't know about you guys. I like, there would be something, there's something comforting with all of this action going on in the league. If they could bring back a guy like Christian Vasquez, it'd make me feel a lot better knowing that there's at least, you know, some support and depth in that role in the catch role. Right, if the Astros had offered Wilson Contreras five years, 80, half, 87 and a half million, does he take it? Hey, I'm going to a World Series team. and Or uh, foremost, I'm a catcher. I want to catch. You know, I'm the captain. I'm the manager on the field. And I, want, I don't want to be a super utility guy unless you're going to pay me as, a, as an elite catcher. Vasquez makes a lot of sense here. He's not, well, of course, careful what you say about any contract in, in this offseason. But, you know, he's not going to get five years, $65 million. Would three years, $40 million which even a year ago you'd say, what are you kidding me for Christian Vasquez? 
then you have your bridge beyond Maldonado. Vasquez is 32 years old himself, so you wouldn't want to go. Ideally, I wouldn't want to go any longer than two years with him, but it may take a third since there will be a, a marketplace for him. Um, you know, and, and individual choice. In Contreras' case, nationally guy, he moves within the division, maybe some comfort zone, familiarity there. I mean, the Astros are an attractive place to come to. You know, you're going to catch a good pitching staff. You know, you're going to fit in in a really strong lineup where you're not asked to to be the man. Um, Vasquez, among the names that we've heard, to be less desirable than Murphy, if you could have made a trade for him. But uh, I'm not going to agree with every decision that Jim Crane makes because he's won two World Series in the last six years. But I would not have gone five years, $87.5 million at a position where guys wear down. And again, going back to these guys are all so rich. And you have owners, especially those who haven't won, Cohen yet with the Mets. Padres have never won. They're used to winning all the time, whether it's financially or, or just in life. So ah, it'll work out for me because I'm me. If I overextend, and you know what? You can only sell the team and make a profit. No team's ever been sold for a loss. Um, but when the money gets so crazy for so long, are you just looking at the, the second five years of a 10-year deal as a sunk cost? There is no way Trey Turner is going to be a good major league shortstop at 38, 39 years of age, right? Whether it's the Giants or the Cubs, probably the two perceived front runners at this point for Carlos Correa, if he's leaving the Twins, there's no chance Carlos Correa is an elite defensive shortstop at 37, 38, 39 years old, unless we're going to go back to a, a hardcore PED era where, well, looky here, guys in baseball, middle age and beyond, not only they're not, they're not declining in their mid late thirties, some of them are even getting better, right? Those days are gone. Catcher, such a demanding position. Five years on Contreras is pretty high risk unless you're so rich that you don't really consider anything as a risk. Well, you mentioned some of these older players, and an older player we're talking about a lot is Michael Brantley. Are the Astros interested in bringing him back? Here are some of my concerns. You're not going to know if that shoulder's good probably till maybe March. And all the guys that are on the market right now will most likely have made a decision by then. So if you are waiting on Brantley, you could miss out on an outfielder that, that you would like to add to the ball club. And then you could find out that Brantley's not quite right. And I like Uncle Mike as much as anybody. I don't know if you guys saw, he was hanging out with a lot of the Astros guys at the UFC event this weekend, hanging out with Bragman and Tucker. And so I, I really believe he does want to come back. But I look at Jake Myers. That is what scares me because that's a young guy with a shoulder injury that looks like a completely different baseball player this year since he had the surgery. You know, and Uncle Mike in his mid-30s coming off shoulder surgery, I just, I would love to have him back, but I'm not willing to say everything's just going to be fine and, and he's going to be good to go. And, and Charlie, you've mentioned it a lot. He, you know, he's not as good against left-handed pitching anymore, you know, and that was even before the shoulder got injured. I don't think that's going to get better as he gets older. So I just, I'm a little worried that he won't be what he ever was. And, and if they wait on that, they could miss a great opportunity. Well, his powers declined every year that he's been with the Astros, but he signed two years, 32 million initially. Then when he extended, it was two years, 32 million. Well, given the little he produced in 2022 with the season gone in June for him, and the declines before that, you wouldn't think he's in line for a raise or even to make the same money. But, you know, when the music stops, if you're one of the teams who haven't landed one of your coveted shortstops or outfielders, uh, we touched upon it last week. I thought the single 
ideal fit for the Astros just in terms of lineup and roster construct was Brandon Nimmo. Eight years, $162 million because Daddy Warbuck said, whatever. He's 30 years old. He'd have been an ideal leadoff or two hitter, a left-handed hitter, complimented Chaz McCormick in there. But eight years, $162 million, by the way, a guy who's played more than 100 games twice in a season in his career. So now in his 30s, he's going to become Joe Durable and play 140, 150 high-quality games without any decline in his performance. But uh, Steve Cohen has, has World Series lost. Now, if you're a Mets fan, this is fantastic, dot, dot, dot. But if you don't get there in the next couple, three years, well, will Steve Cohen be chastened and saying, well, we need to trust in our farm system and player development and we need to get a handle on our costs? Or is this going to be now always the Mets, the, the steroid version of George Steinbrenner, right, from, from the Bronx to Queens? Uh, but it still guarantees the Mets nothing. The point is to get in the playoffs and where'd they go last year after winning 101 games out in a hurry? Where'd the Dodgers go after winning 195 games, whatever they won? Uh, they were dispatched. Uh, but it's sticker shock. And you know, one thing on these long, long-term contracts, you do get to spread out the annualized value because if you sign a guy five years, $100 million, you pay him $10 million the first year and then escalate it. It counts each year toward the competitive balance tax as $20 million, like Alex Bregman's in the midst you know, he's he's making $29, $30 million cash on the barrelhead this year, but he still counts $20 million these remaining couple of years towards toward the tax. Uh, we're all dealing with uh, aggravating in inflation. So are the owners projecting, well, the $30 million per year now in 2032, 2033, uh, that'll be like $15, 18000000 So if that player is toast, the hit's not so much. But you look at the history of it, Albert Pujols, Robinson Cano, Miguel Cabrera hanging on for one last year. Nice him to announce he's retiring after the season as soon as his $32.5 million per year are up and, and he couldn't get the minimum salary from another team. Uh, but the owners, whether this is their version of a credit card debt, eh, just put it off, put it off, put it off, and I'll pay it someday uh, or I won't. To Josh, to your point, I, I wonder how much of the recovery from Jake Myers is mental as it is physical you know, in that shoulder recovery, I'm more scared of Brantley's age in conjunction with that injury necessarily than the injury itself. But I guess in practical matters, that doesn't, there's no difference. You know, I do look at this landscape now and see all the spending as an Astros fan. I I'm kind of thankful that all that spending that, that arms race that's happening seems like it's concentrated more in the NL than it is in the AL. So it looks like at the end of the day, there's there's going to be a, a bottleneck that happens once they get into the playoffs. Only only you know uh, one of those teams can make it into the World Series, but on the other side, on the AL, you haven't seen the Yankees join and participate in in this spending spree that's happening outside of uh, you know their their names connected to I guess Rodon and and they spent all the money to to bring back judge, but that's just bringing, that's just to bring your guy back. Like that, that hasn't added anything. Uh, obviously there's been some rumors about their interest in Correa that, that might be interesting. I wonder if you don't see as much reactionary moves from Jim Crane because of the fact that this, the gunfire that is happening is happening in the NL. Yeah. Who, if the season was starting today, the Astros would be the prohibitive favorite. I, I guess the Yankees would be number two. Uh, Cleveland stealthily with their good young pitching. 
Josh Bell is worth a two-year value contract that, that he took from the Guardians. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good to be king. And the Astros are the king. They were under no pressure. You know, this isn't the late 90s, early 2000s where year in, year out, are you ever going to advance in the playoffs? Are you going to go farther? Are you going to get to a World Series? And it took getting into the, the Clemens Pettit era, if you will, to finally get there in 2005. Well, uh, that obviously has been now blown out of the water with not just one, but two World Series titles and six consecutive American League Championship Series appearances. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a, a spoil factor uh, around here. And I don't know if it's that I was perceiving it or maybe there was a little bit to it that I didn't think Minute Maid Park had quite the, the same juice uh, for the Division Series games and then the, the even the, the LCS games. And that makes sense the Astros were rolling along. Well, they weren't rolling along in game one. And I'm not saying it felt like a July game against Kansas City, uh, but until Jordan's Thunderbolt, you know, we've heard louder playoff crowds anyway at, at Minute Maid Park. Uh, they only have one direction they can go at some point. I mean, we haven't had a repeat World Series champ in, in two decades. Uh, doesn't mean the Astros 2023 are a failure. If they don't win the World Series, it'd just be disappointing because they've been so good for so long now. The expectation is unrelenting excellence. But unrelenting excellence, the way baseball is constructed, doesn't mean you should be winning the World Series every other year or even going to the World Series every other year. Ask the Dodgers. You know, I think that might be part of it, Charlie, is, you know, Houston fans. I remember this with the Rockets when James Harden was going to the playoffs every year and nobody seemed to care until you were getting to that Western Conference final. You know, it's just something they got accustomed to. I think here in Houston, we see the Astros in the ALCS every year, it seems. So I'm, I'm not surprised that Houston fan maybe got a little complacent there. But we bring up, uh, you know, Aaron Judge, and have they really added that Yankees team? I, I pose the question, are the Astros any better, you know, after the Abreu signing? Because you do lose Yuli, whatever you think of, you know, at least as of right now, you lose what, what Yuli did, at least in the playoffs, he was really good. Uh, you lost Verlander, you know, and I know you brought back Montero, but I I don't think they're really better or worse i think they're kind of about the same i, I don't see much add-on to the astros like i don't see much add-on to the yankees uh agree or disagree well accepting the premise there were 16 games better than the mariners they went seven and oh in their american league playoff games so if they didn't get better they remain just swell um it's fun not just as a fan but in the era of fantasy league and ownership and wheeling and dealing and and action typically is more fun or generates more heat than than in action. But if you're playing pretty much uh, a hellacious hand, playing with a, a pat hand and saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in the straight because I think I can pull a flush. Uh, a straight's really good and, and gives you a chance to win. And well, the Astros hit the straight flush uh, last year. Uh, I would say they actually net out as a slightly lesser team in part because well, law of averages, you know, winning. Any team going into a given year, over, under, 106 wins. Well, the under is the play. Um, but a full year of Christian Javier, I'm not saying you'll give him a 175 Cy Young, uh, Justin who uh, level of, of performance. But uh, we sometimes hear, oh, the margin for er of error is so small. Astros actually have a real good margin of error going into the American League season, at least. Right? Seattle's gotten better. But I would say is, uh, you know, they add Correa. Hmm. 
Okay, then you'll have some teams actually picking Seattle in the American League West. Well, they're not adding Correa after adding Colton Wong to play second base. Uh, J.P. Crawford's still there, year two of a five-year, $75 million contract. Um, so other than if you're an Astros fan, it would just be great to hear about the rich getting richer. And now we added one more player. Um, if a Braves their biggest ad of the offseason, that's okay because they still have the best roster in the American League. Yeah, I can't imagine that Astros fans are going to feel good about that. Like, just, just because, again, the amount of money that's being spent. And then what was the narrative? Was that uh, he didn't want to keep James Click because – Click was too passive or Click was being too frugal or, or whatever the case was. But then you don't really participate in any of this big spending that happens. I just, I could totally see a scenario in which if, if the Astros were to somehow falter in the postseason, that it goes back to a narrative that we go full circle all the way back to the narrative of, well, Jim Crane just wasn't willing to spend and the, the cost of doing business obviously went up because everyone went out and signed all these you know, big name players, these big contracts and Astros just aren't willing to do that. I think what they've done to this point has been smart. I think Jim Crane has proved that he's been smart. And at this point, it's it's on Jim Crane to make a dumb move for us to doubt him and his ability to put a winning field or winning team on the field. But there is a certain amount of FOMO that I feel just because you did lose Justin Verlander and you kind of feel like, we haven't really seen an answer to that from from the Astros outside of Jose Abreu, which was a was a good move, but I don't know if that is good enough to to continue to compete and whether you can count on, um, you know, Martin Maldonado to be that level of good in the postseason, or whether you trust uh, one of their prospects to come up and uh, perform in the postseason. Uh, you brought up, well, we've brought up several times Justin Verlander and, and a lot of the contracts. I just wanted to bring this up. We uh, texted a little bit about this, but this was MLB.com's uh, Twitter. Uh, they put this out, the top 10 pitching duos. Uh, and, what? And, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think in general, and I should read this for the people that are listening to the audio, it's as uh, going from bottom to top 10 to 1 is Fromber Valdez and Christian Javier uh, in number 10, number nine is Garrett Cole, Mr. Cortez, uh, eight Kershaw and, uh, Urias. Number seven is Darvish and Snell. Uh, six is Manoa and uh, Gaussman. Um, five is Nolan Wheeler, which, wow, that's, that's amazing in and of itself. Four is, uh, Freed and Strider. Three is, uh, Burns and Woodruff. Two is McClanahan and Glassnow. And one is, uh, Scherzer and Verlander. That seems like a giant diss to, at least McCullers, but specifically the Ashers in general. Well, I mean, as I texted you, it almost seems like MLB.com trolling a little bit, seeing who's paying attention, sure. who's paying attention. Yeah, but they do, but they do that with uh, the power rankings too, a little bit, right? Where they kind of, you know, give you some improbable placements just to create engagement. Well, I pre- yeah, right. It, uh, shout it loud. You can be an idiot, but if you're shouting it loud, enough people turn their heads to you, and you're, you're getting your desired return, I suppose. Um, now we presume the point is going into 2023, which duo would you take? All right. Scherzer Verlander, number one is fine. Right. Any Astro fans scoffing at that? Don't be bitter. Right? Verlander just won the Cy Young award. Scherzer was terrific for the Mets, uh, though he missed a chunk of the season to injury, but a couple, three, maybe four of the tandems on that list. Are you kidding me? Tyler Glasnow is a great arm. What do you throw about seven innings last season? So we're just going to slot him in to be a 170 inning stud 
with Shane McClanahan, who was Verlander's prime challenger for the Cy Young until he faded and spent a little stint on the injured list in, in late August, early September. Uh, Nola and Wheeler are really good and have multi-year track records. So I'm willing to swallow on that one. Um, but you, Darvish, and Blake Snell, Blake Snell, he of the five and a third innings, 103 pitches, got to pull him. Um, and Darvish is nice. He'll be 37 years old next season. So a couple of them were just silly. Kershaw's another still good, but kind of part-time guy. And uh, you ever want to annoy Dodger fans, you can tell them that all their pitchers historically, I'm talking Koufax to Hershiser to Kershaw. Great guys, great pitchers, Hall of Famers in the cases of Koufax, Don Drysdale, Kershaw's an automatic. They're never as good as their stats are because Dodger stadiums, it's, it's not quite what Coors Field is to hitters. But Dodgers pitchers' numbers are always better. I mean, they produce great pitching over their history and credit to them for that. But Dodger pitching is never good as good as statistically it, it meets the eye. No one's taken Kershaw and Urias uh, going in. Well, I don't want to say no one. Um, Javier hasn't done it yet for a full season. Uh, but Fromber's been really good now for two years and pitched at a, a number one level this past year. Uh, Darvish and Snell was the one that foremost jumped out at me. Oh, come on now. And and Glass now, who does not have a full major season of quality to his credit, frankly, neither does McClanahan. This was his first season, and he needed to make it through healthy. So uh, if lists are to create uh, back and forth and mocking, we're up to the task. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Blue Jays guys on there. I like their two pitchers a lot. That one makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm with you, Charlie. I think a Christian Javier had a, you know, a, a bigger resume. Uh, you know, you could make the argument for him a little more, but you know, we haven't seen it that long. He didn't even pitch the whole year in the starting rotation. So, you know, we'll have to see maybe well, frame, frame it this way. forget salaries, forget age. It's purely for 2023. Which tandem would you say you'd rather have than Fromber and, and Javier going into this season? Verlander and Scherzer, yeah. definitely the risk with the age of both of those guys. But look, they're both cinch hall of famers, both still pitching at an elite level game set match. Uh, I think you could suggest credibly Fromber and Javier as high as number two. I'm not saying that's definitely where I would slot them, uh, but 10 is absurd. Yeah, that's a little too low for sure. We'll see if the invisible, his fastball continues to, you know, give people the same trouble after more teams become aware of it and try and prepare for it a little more. Look, I'm, I treat Christian Javier like he's my son, Charlie, on these sports mat videos. I've been pushing Christian Javier, Brandon Kennedy, can attest to this you know i'd argue with aj hoffman he'd be like oh, i don't see him as more than a number four starter at best and i saw a lot more upside with christian javier i got that one right i'm sure i missed on a lot of other ones we'll see how this season unfolds but i think it's interesting kind of back to the the catcher conundrum with the astros is we're seeing them you know maybe having some talks with the diamondbacks maybe they're looking to make a trade there what worries me, and it'd be a, a catcher slash, slash outfielder, perhaps, with a Dalton Varsho or, or the reports we're seeing for, uh, they can't trade Urquidy now. You know, like th that was what we were expecting, the Contreras deal. Now they know there's no Verlander. I can't see them trading one of their starting pitchers, really, for anybody. This is a pretty weak farm system, and we're hearing the price tag is going to be pretty high for the Diamondbacks. I'm just kind of on the fence. Would I rather them just pay Christian Vasquez and put him back in there or, or give up something and go make a trade here? And Dalton Varsha doesn't 
terribly excite me, actually, when you look a little deeper in his numbers. Arizona's the second best home run park in the in the National League, if not the major leagues, behind Coors Field. So kind of like the Dodgers pitchers, they can be great pitchers, but they're never quite as good as their stats might make some believe. Uh, Arizona's hitters numbers, not like the Rockies guys who put up all those cartoon stats, uh, but grains of salt at least. Um, rare combination, catcher slash yeah. outfielder. You know, he hit 24, 25 home runs. Um, he certainly wouldn't be any more than a, a platoon type catcher with Maldonado. Uh, how do the Astros prioritize uh, getting the best single player they can add? They're all cheap, right? Arbitration or, or not even there yet. Uh, Jake McCarthy actually is another left-handed hitting outfielder who plays center field uh, because McCormick slaughtered left-handed pitching, basically stunk it up against right-handed pitching. So he's a natural guy. You should be looking for a left-handed bat to job share with him and why Nimmo would have been a great ad. Um, but if you're too bird with one stoning it and you're thinking that, well, Varsho can play some competent center field and catch and, and give you that sort of flexibility, I would get their their interest in him. Uh, but the Diamondbacks have a glut of left-handed hitting guys who can play center field. Their uber prospect is Corbin Carroll. No way they're trading him. So probably McCarthy or Varsho will be on the move. I mean, it's not like the Astros have a crown jewel prospect they can offer up. Uh, what's the timetable? You know, college guys who are first-round picks who are going to be stars should get to the major leagues pretty quickly. I'm not saying the first year. But Drew Gilbert out of Tennessee is a left-handed hitting center fielder. Uh, what are they thinking on a timeline on him? And uh, prospects, I think I broke this out last week. You know, potential, one definition, everything you've thus far not accomplished. But Pedro Leon was very hyped. 24 years old now, and so far, eh, He's shown spurts of power. I think they're off the idea that maybe he can play shortstop. And that position's well taken now. Uh, but hit maybe 240 at AAA, like Corey Lee hit 238 at, at AAA. So I think they want someone who's demonstrated some major league competency. And you just it, it seems like the breadcrumb trail leads toward Varsho. Myself, I'd rather add McCarthy and re-sign Vasquez. Yeah, and I think he'd cost more, right? McCarthy being a former first-round pick, uh, I just and they're all young. I think they were all drafted around 2018. So I mean, these are pretty young guys uh, for the Diamondbacks. I, I guess that takes me to where I still have uneasiness with where the Astros are at right now, which is you know kind of being in flux with a GM because you're talking about the the thinness of the farm system and that's something that falls squarely on the general manager. And then you know we know the uh, what it cost them for the cheating scandal 2017 you know, losing uh, a first and second round for two consecutive years. In addition to the fact that Jeff Lunell uh, in Jim Crane traded away prospects to bring in guys like uh, Verlander and Greenkey uh, to help build up this juggernaut that's here. Now, I just wonder what's the ramifications of this? The fact that you had, you do have kind of a, your influx with the GM and, and the fact that you had a GM in place for the last three years who maybe his vision wasn't congruent with uh, Jim Crane's. And so we don't really know, uh, you know, we won't even see, to your point, the fruits of that labor from what James Click, uh, you know, his draft picks until, you know, the next several years. Any concern at all that, um, you know, again, we're seeing these other big teams spend a lot of money to be competitive. The Astros' big advantage here is the fact that they do have all this young talent that's under team control for the next several years. It's why their window is what it is. And, and obviously what a, what a big coup it was to be able to sign 
uh, Jordan for such a favorable deal, especially now in relative to what the market looks like. But any any concerns at all? Like the again the the matter that the Astros are in flux of that GM position in a, in a pretty crucial period. Uh. Not for say these next two years, but bills come due, eras end, and this is such a, a special era, and and we've never seen anything like this among any of the teams in in Houston. Uh, but there are going to be lean years ahead, because that's just the way the world works. Uh, other than I guess the Yankees, thirty straight winning seasons, uh, the Dodgers, cash cow, desirable market great player development system. Um, I want to say a day of reckoning is is looming, but if you're not producing some cheap talent, it becomes, meaning minor league prospects, who you can control, Jordan and Tucker and all these pitchers, right? Jeremy Pena. How would the Astros be attacking this offseason if Carlos Correa had said, I accept five years, $160 million. And instead of Jeremy Pena at 800000 on the books next season, he had thirty-two mil uh, of Carlos Correa. But uh, I think if you're an Astros fan, you should default to, you know, there was a thing for a while in Daryl we trust uh, among uh, Rockets, Daryl Morey groupies. Mm-hmm. And that was a very good GM. Well, uh, Jim Crane is two for two in his hires at the position. And now he's getting to play a little reality fantasy baseball owner himself that well, I'm not acting GM and it's, and it's under control. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's not as if nobody's minding the store but they are going to have to rejuvenate their their prospect pipeline, right? They're not in the top 20 of the, of the 30 farm systems unless you're willing to spend just crazy money going forward. And it's also, and you can say, you know, well, if the Padres did it. We're a bigger market with more resources than them. Well, the Padres also created a hell of a farm system that enabled them to go make the, the best offer to uh, to get Soto. And oh, by the way, they also sucked for years and then had to throw $300 million at, at Manny Machado to to lure him. So um, the it's not going to be uh, days of wine and roses eternally for the Astros. Uh, but for the next two years, I think they remain remarkably well positioned with what they have now, with the wherewithal to at least add some to it as necessary. And, and maybe their biggest move for the 2023 team occurs within season. Uh, as it did with Verlander and Granky, as opposed to Cole's an offseason move. But uh, the way of the world, you know, when the Astros fall off and we're talking in past tense about the the golden era is not even good enough anymore, the platinum era of, of Houston Astros baseball, you know, people aren't going to buy tickets on nostalgia. Right. Um, you know, the Padres outdrew the Astros by 300,000 uh, last season. The Astros going to draw 3 million? This year and, and keep the uh, the revenue streams pumping that you know, emboldens Jim Crane to, to spend bigger and more. Uh, but if you neglect your farm system, or that's what drove the Astros even more deeply into the abyss uh, coming out of the Clemens, Pettit, Oswalt led teams. Uh, not only did your major league uh, roster rot on the vine, your farm system became became a joke. Uh, I just think that, that Jim Crane, over a decade of ownership now, you know, his... Uh, is it Standard and Poor's who, who do the uh, the credit ratings? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's AAA or AAA plus or, or whatever. Now nothing lasts forever, uh, but no, I wouldn't I wouldn't have my uh, my Astros worry cap. Uh, it's part of my wardrobe right now. Well, speaking of those windows, Jeff Bagwell. <laughs> 
Baggy talked recently about it. He doesn't believe in windows with these teams. He wants he wants to see them have a chance of winning it every year. That's that's what they're trying to achieve. And there were some reports about some agents kind of speaking anonymously about the Astros at the winter meetings and and how kind of screwy it was. And, you know, one of the assistant GMs showed up and they talked to him. And then a few days later, he didn't work for the team anymore. You know, it's just it, it's not your typical deal. And I think they'll be OK, but it does worry me a little bit about no windows and we expect to win the world series every year. I mean, that's how you built to this. I, I don't know how you maintain it unless you do spin like the Padres, unless you do spin like the Yankees. And I don't necessarily want them to do that. I just, it's just concerning that we don't know what the plan is. You know, that we don't know who's going to be the GM when that's going to happen. If they even hire one before next year and, I give Jim Crane all the credit. I'm not panicked. I'm repping my Strohs. I'm happy coming off a World Series. But it's just, it's unusual, you know? And and I've lived in a town with the Houston Texans that do some front office stuff that's pretty unusual. So it just gives me a little bit of concern. Well, look, there can be trouble out there on the horizon. You know, it's 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 not a mirage that, oh, it's it's not actually out there at any point. But for 2023 and 2024, the Astros are pretty unscrew upable. I don't mean that, of course, they're going back to the World Series a couple more times, but they're going to be good and a factor. And if you get beaten a three out of five or a four out of seven, cookies crumble that way in, in the baseball postseason. Uh, but unless some bizarre pivot, Jim Crane decided, I want to become uh, the anti hero of, of Houston sports ownership as opposed to the, the hero that he is now. And so we're going to, we're going to 1997. Florida Marlins it. We just won the World Series, and now we're going to strip the thing bare. But that's not in play here. And with the, I guess we can call it the Astros core four at this point of Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker. Altuve, Bregman, two more years on their contracts. Jordan, six. Tucker under control for three. That's well, almost half your lineup right there where you're pretty solid. And then with all the young pitching, under control for at least three years. Are they all going to flourish year in, year out? Are they all going to stay healthy year in, year out? Will Lance McCullers ever stay healthy and flourish for a single season? Uh, but over these next two years, who would you rather be right now than the Houston Astros? In the American League, for sure, if you'd rather be the Padres or the Dodgers or the Mets, okay. So I wanted to ask you guys this question uh, for our bottom line question for uh, this week. Um, we've seen the Yankees tied in rumors uh, to Correa. And subsequently we saw a reaction from that fan base almost to the essence of don't tease us. You know, they're, they're really, they would be really excited for that sort of move, um, which I think how amazing that is that we've come so full circle that the Yankees have gone from Altuve stole an MVP from judge and 2017 should have been ours back. Now we're at a place where they go, Hey, uh, we, we would like to take one of the core members from that team. And, and, and we would gladly welcome him because we know Carlos is part of their TV team. Right, exactly. And, and we know, uh, and, and so we know we're not good enough to compete. So we need one of those guys on the team. Uh, so is, if Correa does, end up on the Yankees. My bottom line question to you guys is, <laughs> is that the death nail in the, the, the 2017 scandal, at least from a Yankee standpoint? Well, look, I mean, the Yankees for how long were referred to as the evil empire. If the Astros have supplanted them in, in that role, that's, that's kind of amusing. 
and, and as I'll often at least touch upon at some point when the cheating thing comes up, if it had been the Yankees who were caught or the Dodgers who were caught exact same way that the Astros were caught and the Astros lost to them in the postseason, Astros fans would be screaming, holy hell about it. And, you know, hang them all in the town square and we were robbed. It's the nature of fandom on which side is your bread buttered so that Yank, we hate Correa. We hate Correa. We hate Correa. We hate Correa. Oh, he signed with us. We love Correa. Right. If he's going to, if he's going to help you win, I mean, to me, it's just another branch on the tree guys of, of, uh, quick Jimmy Johnson story. When he was coaching the Dallas Cowboys, uh, John Roper back when Texas A&M was actually really good in college football. It's, it's a while ago, uh, linebacker, with the Cowboys, kind of a special team, fringy guy, fell asleep in a team meeting. Jimmy Johnson goes up and taps him and cuts him on the spot. I think actually in the meeting, you're, you're, you're fired, leave. And so it comes around and someone to uh, asks him, Jimmy, how would you handle it if it had been Michael Irvin who, who nodded off in the meeting? And Jimmy basically said, well, I'd have just nudged him a little bit and said, hey, Michael, you might want to listen and find, find something that's interesting. All right, so it's a, it's a sliding scale. What, what benefits you? What are you willing to put up with uh, if it gives you a, ch- a chance to succeed? You know, so would the Yankees be selling their soul to the devil if they added Carlos Correa? No, they'd be adding a hell of a shortstop, but probably for too many dollars and too many years. I think we're already there, Brandon. You know, I, just for fun, I like to listen to, you know, Michael Kay and, you know, Mad Dog Russo, some of these New York guys. And, and if you listen to Russo, he's just like, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like, you got swept. You didn't even win a game against the Astros. They've done this to you for years. This year didn't look any different. I don't want to hear it anymore. That's in the past. They've won two World Series. And most of the guys are, are, are feeling that way now. Just it's the same story every year. They can't beat the Astros. So I think they're past it. And you know, all the Yankee letter aside, they don't care about that stuff. They care what happens on the field. And they saw Aaron Judge break a home run record, <laughs> if we believed in the juice balls or the AL record, whatever. Then they saw him do what in the postseason against the Astros? He was terrible. I mean, they could not score any runs. And that's kind of what they did all year. And they had the best record in the league for so long. But then in the regular season, what happened against the Astros? They got spanked. They come to the playoffs. They can't even win a game. So I think... For Yankee fans, they're past all that. Now, Dodger fans, on the other hand, they're still not in that world. They they believe they got robbed, you know, like Charlie said. They haven't been knocked out as many times by the Astros as the Dodgers have because they're in the National League. I think if they were in the same league as the Yankees, they'd have a different opinion. But because it's kind of a distant memory of 2017 that they're not going to let it go. But Yankee fans, they just know they're not as good as the Astros. That's why they got to go out and, and bolster the team. Not just Yankee fans. This is true a lot of places, but Yankee fan will yell about this or that or that. If hiring Vladimir Putin as their manager would get them to the World Series, they'd say, "Sign him up." Yeah, that's the that's the Ricky Ricky Gervais line of if if ISIS uh, formed a streaming service, you'd be on the phone with your agent immediately. Uh, no, it's it, it yeah no it's that, that's it's so true. And, and look, it's Dodgers fans always going to have excuse. We heard about how what a crap shoot a, a five game series was in in the first round of the playoffs this year. So now it's not even about uh, sign stealing. Now it's that the the DS is is too 
short of a, of a series and five games is more of a crapshoot. But Michael K's response to that was, Hey, uh, how come, how come the Astros are built to win all the five game series? What's, you know, what, why are their analytics so much better at producing better results than everybody else's analytics? Um, so yeah, there, there, there's definitely, and I think with the, the Yankees too, it's the repetitive nature they, they've seen the Astros up close and personal that many more times. Whereas the, the Dodgers actually have to get there in order for them to have that, uh, much heralded rematch that we all hope there will be. Um, so we'll see, hopefully we get a chance to see that. I mean, or, or not, I don't really care whether the Dodgers make it or not. I mean, it'd be, it'd, it'd be nice for the Astros to win, but I, I don't really need it. I, I think the, uh, I think the second championship was good enough to your point, uh, Josh, I, that that's where I fall out. I, I think the second championship was enough. I think their willingness to take on Carlos Correa, in my opinion, is just the cherry on top to the fact that it has been an utter domination, uh, one-sided in, in that rivalry. It's not really a rivalry like like they used to say about the Yankees and Red Sox, right? It was the, you, you, it's not a rivalry until once you know the other side wins, and you know the Yankees or the Red Sox finally got that done. So let's get it to our uh, our questions that we've got from our listeners. And we want to thank everybody uh, who's joined us. We actually got a lot of listeners over the past uh, half hour. So we really do please appreciate it. Please hit like on the videos, guys. Please, please hit yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Please hit like while you're here. And uh, we're the audio version of this broadcast. If you are interested in it or want to come back, you just caught the tail end of it and you want to hear it. We're now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart. Uh, audio boom and um i'm missing it it's stitcher stitcher's the other one we're still waiting stitcher. on google play that's not in our hands but i uh, appreciate you guys if you want to go subscribe to us there do that if you prefer the audio only broadcast because you don't want to look at our faces which understandable first question is i think this one's at you uh josh this is why do you need to know the plan this was goes back to your comment about we don't really know what jim crane's plan is or the front office's plan why do you need to know the plan i don't necessarily know that i need to know it but it, i'd feel a lot more comfortable if, if they knew what it was you know that, that that's kind of what i'm getting at here Look, they won the world series i'm not sweating it too much but this is odd you know, you don't see people fire their GM right after winning the World Series very often. And, you know, I'm not super overwhelmed with how it's been going. I Look, I think they'll be fine. But, yeah, I, there should be a plan. It, it's weird that they don't have a GM. I mean, that's a big job throughout the season, especially. You're going to have to make moves. And we're talking about them, you know, talking to the Diamondbacks about making a trade. I, I, I don't want Jeff Bagwell making the trade. You know, I want somebody with some experience, whether it's, you know, Bill Ferkus, whoever's doing it. I think the big plan is on it. I think it's Stearns. I think that's who they're waiting on. They just can't come out and say that. I hope that's the plan. Then I'd feel a lot better. I, their plan's pretty simple in the near term. Just keep kicking ass. Those worry about worry about the other stuff. And uh, golden rule, you have enough of the gold. You get to make the rules. So Jim Crane... Uh, maybe the logistics business is just sailing along. So he's having fun with this. Um, while the, the cotton is, is this tall, certainly no, no harm done. But if they take a fall, and as you talked about, if they don't spend money, people say, well, they got fat and happy and content. Well, they, they should be content. They just, just won the World Series. But it's not like they're announcing their retirement either. 
Um, I, I just think it's all it's, it's part of the off season, right? We're a hundred and a handful of days uh, from opening day in a, in a city where the NFL could not possibly matter less than it does right now. Uh, the Rockets are at least are mixing in some from frisky wins, but by and large, the city doesn't care about them. Um, U of H continues to be an, an amazing story, but it'll never be the city's team because Aggies, Longhorns, no vested interest in rooting for the Cougars. So, I mean, the Astros are pretty much everything right now. So everything they do, don't do, is is going to get uh, unparalleled uh, scrutiny, un, unprecedented scrutiny in, in, in this market probably. And I'm sure they... Uh, they they relish that because it speaks to to all they've accomplished and and uh, a nation a Houston sports nation turns its lonely eyes to you right those they're the Astros because there's nothing else that presently on the pro level gives any hope and maybe a couple three years the Rockets build it up maybe the Texans in 75 80 years build it up right we're living in the present and the Astros present is excellent and their near term future projects to be the same. This kind of ties into some of our other conversations. We haven't had a chance to hit it on. I don't think we've hit it on the first two episodes, but Marty asks, how long before Pedro Leon is with the big club? And I think that's a question that we're all kind of curious about. Look, he's he's suspect as much as prospect at this point. Um, some guys are later bloomers, but you look through the, the history of the game. Now, if the hope is that he's going to be a stud, and he came with the hype of he spent $4 million and young Cuban excitement center fielder, all these tools, the little guy, um, but put together it has pop. And then they experimented with a shortstop. And you know, maybe you can play a little second base. If you're projecting beyond Altuve or when you want Altuve, maybe DHing 30, 40 games per year, as opposed to playing second base 140 times. Uh, but he had torn it up in the minors, right? He's shown flashes. He's had stretches. He's also had some injury issues. If he was uh, a left-handed hitter, I'd say opportunity knocks for him spring training. Right? They, they really should have a companion for McCormick. And if Leon looked like he could be that guy, I'd be good with, with giving him the chance. Uh, but it's it's not going to be him. Is his upside utility? I don't think he was a disaster at shortstop, but no one thinks he's a future shortstop. Um, is there an Aledmus Diaz role for him, or is David Hensley just going to have that? <laughs> Speaking of the economics of the game, I know the peanuts relative to the Jacob deGroms, et cetera. But Aledmus Diaz... Not quite doubles his salary, but gets a, a huge raise to go to the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Of course, if the Oakland A's, you have no reason to be concerned about Diaz not hitting water falling out of a boat in the postseason because the A's won't be anywhere close to that. But Aledmus Diaz gets two years, $14.5 million. Uh, the Astros, I'm sure, just smiled and said, congratulations, Aledmus. Uh, David Hensley will play for one-tenth of that or whoever's in that utility role. Uh, but uh, Leon, at this point, I mean, it's either center field or bust, shortstop, left field, right field, or all spoken for for quite a while, second base for two more years. And guys you think are real prospects to be regulars in the major leagues, you don't want them up in bit roles getting five at-bats per week or getting in a couple games per week. Uh, so I think it's it's on Leon to force their hand and, and really tear it up with the Space Cowboys. Or maybe he's one of the pieces that goes for one of those Arizona outfielders. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, next questions from uh, MZ or Ms, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Uh, ask is Fromber, Lance McCullers, and uh, Javier Garcia good enough to win the World Series? Well, yeah, you're good enough to get there. You're good enough to be able to win it. 
And this Astros team is certainly good enough to get there, which will be five World Series trips in seven years. Uh, now, there are four names there, right? So uh, I don't know if you can throw that back up quickly, but who is missing? Certainly Hunter Brown, who's all projection, and Jose Arquiti. Um, but if you're going into a playoff series, yeah, is it a drop-off from career-long and overall 2022 as, po- as opposed to postseason spotty Justin Verlander? But Verlander, Fromber, Javier, certainly better than Fromber, Javier, Garcia, or Fromber, Javier, McCullers, whoever we're, we're, we're slotting at three. Um, but the Astros rotation in total going into 2023, uh, forget the tandems, right? who has five starters that is a quintet you'd rather have? Uh, Seattle has a real case now. Um, the Yankees add Rodon. Okay, they're they're in that conversation. Uh, Cleveland with a little uh, healthier performance from a couple of their guys, but the Astros are still running with the lead pack in terms of starting rotations, minus Verlander, because they were so much better than just about everyone else. It's like the team overall. They look like a 106 win team going into next season or this season, I guess we can call it now. Probably not. But you don't have to win 106 games to be damn good. You certainly don't have to win anywhere near 106 games to go to the World Series, see the Phillies. Yeah, they're not as top-heavy as they used to be, but over the five or six starters, they're as strong as anybody. But, you know, and Javier could be that hammer. You know, he could have a better year than Verlander this year. Who knows? Uh, We'll just have to see it. You know, it's early in his career, and Verlander's a little older, pitching for a new team. I bet he feels pretty good about all the moves the Mets are making. I'm sure they promised him, like, hey, we're really going to load up if you sign with us. And so far, they're keeping their word. What percentage of Astros fans, it would probably be a much higher number if he'd gone to the Yankees. But not wishing ill will upon him, but that he went to the Mets. If he was to break down or flop that, well, you wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Uh, if not out, uh, outright celebrated. I think it was the Yankees, the Mets, until the Mets get to a World Series, whatever, and, and enjoy the the Big Apple and the, the fashion shows and, and, and all that. And as I thought of it, Charlie, I was like, why the Mets? He's such a Nolan Ryan guy. You know, that made sense to me that he was on the Astros. Nolan started his career with the Mets. That was Verlander's idol. So I'm not surprised that, that he picked the Mets over the Yankees or some of the other teams. Just It just seemed fitting. Well, I'll give you 86.66 million more reasons. That might have had a small amount to do with it. Yeah, and, and the Scherzer connection as well, that that makes sense too. So, And you're right, Charlie. I think it has – I think that's also – I if – if JV takes that and goes to the Yankees, it feels like a slap in the face to the fans. It might even feel like that a slap in the face to Jim Crane that you're going to go to my biggest in league rival. That that might feel like a slap in the face. And so the money was right, and it seems like all of the other environmental things were correct as well. And you know, if it comes to the question of whether this staff is good enough to win or not, I'd say we have to kind of look at the recency bias and kind of how those things like play out from year to year. Because if you look back, if you ask the question of whether Fromber is going to be a reliable hammer for you in the postseason, which now we agree that he is. But if you look back at 2021 and ask that question, it's a disaster. Right. He had that one great start at Fenway. He didn't get out of the third inning in any of his other four starts. Right. So, and, and so now our uh, recency bias is that 
Fromber is that guy. And now we also feel that Javier is that guy. You feel like Javier's going to take that big step up. You have to see how that plays out on the field and whether, again, given the opportunity to start a full season, how Javier you know, uh, plays out and how he performs. We see this all the time with relief pitchers where they have up and down years. It, it's the thing that Josh and I talk about all the time, which is the up and down feast or famine uh, nature of relief pitchers just from year to year. Some, some of them are, you know, the Brad Peacocks of the world. How many times do we see a guy like Brad Peacock would put together a stellar year and then the next year just really scuffled. You just never know how these things are going to play out. So I would say, yes, this, this staff is good enough to win, but you have to see, you have to see how the, it plays out. I, I didn't think this staff was going to be so good that a guy like Jose Arquiti nor Luis Garcia uh, would get an opportunity to pitch meaningful innings in the postseason. Although that being said, meaningful would be five innings of shutout baseball that Luis Garcia pitched. So if you're going by that Luis Garcia, yes, I absolutely think they can win a World Series. But Luis Garcia that we saw during the regular season, you know, maybe you're not as confident. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, we'll we'll fit a couple more of these in because uh, we're up against an hour here. Uh, Goyo says, do you think Tucker will resign? Getting arbitration eligible. He'll get into the four $5 million range, three, $4 million range this year. Uh, if he's honest with himself, he knows he's not the hitter Jordan is, but he can honestly say I'm a clearly better all around player. Uh, Jordan did just fine in, in left field, but not playing the position every day. Howitzer of an arm for a left fielder runs pretty well once he gets in motion, but he's not Kyle Tucker. Right? Kyle Tucker is a gold glove level right fielder. Uh, he's also a mid 20 something base stealer. Um, mm, I was going to say maybe the best base runner on the team. He's, so six years, 115 million. And then you look at these other contracts. How does Tucker view it? It never surfaced to my knowledge what the Astros biggest offer that Team Tucker rejected, whereas Jordan said six years, $115 million? I can make do with that. And you know what? If the market shifts and I left money on the table, I'll still be eating pretty well. Uh, so if you're Kyle Tucker and the Astros now came and said, okay, we'll give you the Jordan deal. Six years, $115 million. Does it take? I have no idea. Um, how much do you want to bet on yourself, right? I mean, Aaron Judge... Look, if he had a bad year, obviously he wouldn't have gotten $360 million, but he'd have gotten $100 million on the, whatever the low end was. And, you know, he'd already made $12 million last year, $19 million this year. Tucker, of course, he signed for 5 or $6 million as a, as a top five pick. Uh, but Tucker hasn't made that big, big league bag yet. How big did he say, well, it's not exactly betting against myself to take $100 million. Um if Alex Bregman hadn't taken five years, a hundred million, he hadn't been a superstar now for three years, but he revived as closer to that in 2022. And if he hit the market this offseason at 28 years old, woo, Alex Bregman would have had more than two years, 40 million guaranteed coming, which is all he has he has left on the the Astros deal now. Um, so you just don't know what is, is Kyle Tucker dream to go home and play in Tampa for the Rays someday. I doubt it. Uh, how much is the money that you say, you know, I'll, I'll take that. And if I could have gotten more, 
uh, I can I can live with what I got. Um, does Kyle Tucker look at three years from now? Well, Altuve's 35 is even here in 2025. Altuve's up. Is Bregman here in 2025? And he'll be 31 years old. And what has become of these younger pitchers as Framber Valdez gets to free agent? What's the state of the Astros? Or, wait, you're going to offer me $125 million? I'll lock in through 2028. Jordan chose to. Right? His, his background and upbringing and financial, right? Different from, from Kyle Tucker. So, uh, all right, enough. I'm not beating around the bush. Is Kyle Tucker an Astro in 2026? I will say yes. Uh, based on his behavior, it's been a little more Correa-like. You know, like he wants to wait and get all the way to free agency. And we knew that from Carlos from the beginning. Like in the first couple of years, he was he was saying that when he had his agent before his agent before his agent. Uh, I think that was kind of always in his plans and. Tucker, maybe it depends on how much winning means to him, too. I think Bregman said he's gone to the ALCS like every single year of his career. That's pretty good. You know, that's a good way to to, to do your career like that. So, you know, if winning matters. But like Charlie said, maybe this Astros team looks very different in a few years. So that could change it. I, I will say this. I'd love to see that money that they didn't spend on Contreras, the money they didn't spend on Verlander. See if you can get a deal done with Tucker. I, I'd love to see that more than anything. I, I think that him having his chip now and combined with the fact that the, there's just crazy money that's being thrown around now to elite player, and he is an elite right fielder. I, I just don't know how in the world he doesn't go to free agency in the open market to see what he can get. And I don't see, given how this is all trended from the Astros and what Jim Crane's modus operandi is. I, I don't see how we get to a place where Tucker remains an Astro past free agency. I just don't see it because some teams going to, we we've seen, I mean, look at what we talked about Brandon Nimmo and, and what he got. I'd rather have Tucker. And, you know, again, you know, maybe he's a little, he'll be a little longer in the tooth, I guess. And maybe, maybe that might minimize the maximum earning uh, capability he has, but I, I don't know. I would, I would love to see him pre-sign with this team. I'm with you, Josh. Like I, that would make me feel a lot better if you got him fortified and, and you know that I do believe in windows, uh, unlike Jeff Bagwell. And to me, having a guy like Jordan and also having a guy like Tucker helps extend that window because those guys are, are pretty reliable. So I, I don't necessarily, I'm a little pessimistic in that regard just because he has operated in a way where it makes you think that they're not close on a number uh, because you'd think they would still continue to be going back and forth. And not that we, not that we don't know that, you know, not, not maybe there is that going on, but we don't have any reason to believe that we know that there was an offer made. Uh, we know that they weren't close on an offer. So those talks broke down. We haven't heard any follow-up on that since he is under team control. They have no reason to, make a move right now other than to try to get something that's team friendly. I just, Tucker doesn't seem like he's in a team friendly mood. And again, getting that championship where he's, he has that now under his belt. There isn't a, a worry about, Oh, you know, I, I need to get that championship too. I mean, he can go somewhere and compete. You know, they all, when they leave and go, I mean, even DeGrom said going to the Rangers, that winning was important to him. And I mean, what, you know, 
you're going to the Rangers. It's important and there's important. Yeah, right, exactly. $5 million. Uh, but if you're Kyle Tucker, I mean, the sooner the better if they meet your price. But Juan Soto's a free agent after 2024. Kyle Tucker's a free agent after 2025. So if Juan Soto, right fielder, who's certainly way more accomplished as a, as a hitter than, than Kyle Tucker, but if he gets $400 million, right, does Kyle Tucker think now, well, what the hell would I resign for six years, $115 million now? I'm going to start making the arbitration money at least. And I'm willing to, to bet on myself to get to free agency. And there are plenty of exceptions, Brandon Nimmo being a, a recent wow, but a uh, very high percentage of guys, if they get to market, they don't then re-sign with their franchise. Uh, it was unusual circumstances with Verlander, a, a happy exception here. Craig Biggio uh, had more money from the Cardinals or the Rockies and wound up re-signing here. But as a general rule, if a guy gets to market, someone either outbids you or even if my feelings aren't really hurt, well, you had a chance to cater to my every financial whim and take care of me. You chose not to. And some guys just see a refresh of taking on another challenge or family considerations or a part of the country. Uh, but at least there's nothing inherently against the Astros or this market that makes anyone say, yeah, when I get the chance to get out of here, unless they really blow me away, uh, you don't even tell me what option B is, but I'm more apt to take option B than to stay with the Astros. Uh, you know, market size, quality of life opportunities. You're no more than a half country away from anywhere you, you want to go. Uh, but again, he's under control for three more seasons. If you're if you're prone to panicking over this stuff, which is part of the fun of being a fan, uh, until the offseason of 2024 and we see what Juan Soto gets, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be losing any sleepovers. Kyle Tucker going to be an Astro in 2026. But that's just me. Bye-bye, green bananas. Plenty of time to worry about this. Well, it, it just goes to show you how spoiled we are in Houston, and, and thankfully so, but you know, that you are worried about that. I mean, they are first-world problems, but you know, happily that's in a situation where the Astros find themselves is in the first world. Uh, we'll, we'll do one more question and then call it a wrap. Trevor asks, what is the channel name on Spotify? The channel name is Stone Cold Strohs. No apostrophe on the S, even though it's in the graphics. Stone Cold Strohs. So search for us on all of your favorite audio uh, podcast providers. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review. We do appreciate it. Or if you want to continue joining us like you did this week, we'll be on next Monday, 3 p.m. live. And we'll do this again with you guys. We really do appreciate everyone uh, participating. Appreciate all the questions. Appreciate all the comments. And the participation. Like, guys. It helps us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like the video, subscribe to the channel, this channel, if you haven't already on YouTube, we do appreciate it. Um, for Josh Jordan, for Charlie Palillo, I'm Brandon Strange. Thank you so much, guys. We will talk to you next week. Ghost Rose.